Cold calling sucks. Knocking on doors sucks. Talking to strangers sucks. Selling stuff the way you were taught to sell stuff absolutely sucks. Hey there, workplace warriors. If you are looking to build profitable, lifelong relationships, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Do This, Sell More podcast, where you can make more money than you ever imagined and still get home in time for dinner. Don't miss out on expert tips and strategies from best-selling author Dave Lorenzo and his high-performing guests. The formula is easy. Listen and take action. In other words, do this, sell more. Now here's your host, the master of relationship sales strategy himself, Dave Lorenzo. Welcome to another edition of the Do This, Sell More show. I'm Dave Lorenzo, your host. And today we're talking about probably my favorite topic in the whole world because that's how all of you found me. And that topic is content creation. And I am absolutely thrilled to say that I've found somebody who I believe does it right. And I think after this next 20 minutes to half hour, you'll believe that she does it right too. She's going to give us a ton of information on how you can do it for yourself, but even better, if you want to do it the right way, she's going to tell you about her services and how she can potentially help you from a strategy standpoint or even from a content creation standpoint. But before I bring her on, I want to introduce you to her and I want to do it properly and I'm not going to do it justice. So if you want to hear how this intro really hits home, you need to go to LaceyBoggs.com, L-A-C-Y-B-O-G-G-S.com because her website is fantastic, not just from an aesthetic point of view, but also from a content point of view. So here's the intro that's on her website and then I'm going to bring her in and have her tell you her story herself. But Listen to this. Online entrepreneurs are content machines churning out blog posts, webinars, live videos, ebooks, white papers, podcasts, and more. But almost as quickly as it's published, that content is forgotten. That's because often there's no strategy tying everything together to ensure that every piece of content leads down the path to a sale. And there's no plan to make the most of the content once it's produced. Those are the first two paragraphs of Lacey Boggs' intro on her website, and that's what she does. She creates the strategy to help you tie all your content together. She also will put the words in place if you're just too lazy or you don't have the time to do it yourself. So without further ado, I want to bring Lacey in. Lacey, welcome to the show, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I don't think I've ever heard anybody read that out loud. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, You know, one of the things I've learned over the years in writing my own content, if I don't read it out loud, I'm often surprised at how it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, that's pretty good. Did I write that? That's great. <laughs> that really hits home. No, the content, content is terrific. Lacey, tell us your story. How did you, so you own a firm, you own your own business that does this. You create content, you create content strategy, you develop content for people. How did you become the content creation guru? <laughs> so uh, I started out, I was in journalism about uh, eight years ago. I was working for a hyperlocal magazine here in Boulder County. Uh, nice work if you can get it. I was the food editor. I was doing food reviews and stuff like that. That's always fun. But then I got pregnant and uh, I wasn't getting paid a whole lot at the magazine and I was working a whole lot of hours. So uh, my husband and I did some financial calculations and it made a lot more sense for me to stay home 
and put our daughter into daycare full time. So I quit my job with the magazine and I started a food blog because that's what I did, right? I was a food writer. The problem was I didn't understand the business model of food blogging, which is very much sort of the Walmart model, right? You have to have a ton of people to make any money. Um, so after the first year of trying to make money, I call it my four figure year. We really didn't make very much money at all. I decided, well, I'm pretty good at this blogging thing. Maybe other people would pay me to do that. And that's how I got started in this. So I started really just as a freelance, freelance writer blogging for other small businesses. And then my clients started asking me questions like, well, what should I be talking about? What do you think of doing this blog post at this time? What do you think of this? And I didn't know the answers. So I went out and educated myself. I spent uh, thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours taking all the marketing courses I could get my hands on. And then I discovered I had some really um, big opinions about whether or not I thought people were doing it right. And that's sort of when I um, started my own blog talking about strategy and kind of became a thought leader in the space, talking about what I thought was the best way to use content to move towards a sale. And we've all just grown from there. Perfect. And before before we went live today, we were uh, we were just kind of getting acquainted, and I shared with you the experience that I believe ninety percent of my clients have either come to me as a result of content that I produce, whether it's something like this, a podcast or a video show, or uh, written content, or they came to me through referral, and then for credibility purposes, went and checked out the articles on my website or subscribed to my newsletter, and then after being on my newsletter list for years then came off and became a client. What has been your experience with written content and getting it into the hands of the right people? How do you, when you meet with a client, how do you and the client decide the best way to get the content into the hands of the people who really need to have it? Yeah, I think you're hitting on a really important point here because a lot of times what I find is small business owners have a field of dreams problem. They think if I write it, they will come. And that's really not true anymore. It might have been true, you know, eight, 10 years ago that you could just discover a blog magically, but it doesn't mm -hmm. happen that way anymore. We're in like peak content. There's so much blog blog content and podcast content produced every day, nobody's going to find you. So we have to come up with a promotional strategy to go with the great content you're creating. So great content is the first step because if it's not great, nobody's going to stay, right? They might click on a link, but nobody's going to stick around and read it. But the second part of it is we have to say, where are we going to share this outside of our existing circles? A lot of people think it's sufficient to just email it to their existing list or share it with their social media. And that's fine, but that's preaching to the choir. We really have to get outside of that circle. So there's a lot of different strategies we can use. We can use syndication. We can use paid advertising. We can even just like reach out to your network and say, Hey, would you share this? You know, but there, that all depends on the goals of the client, but we really do have to think about how are we getting in this into the hands of the people that need to see it? Yeah. Now, when we talk about strategy for uh, for getting the content out there and creating the content, how do you figure out which content is going to work together, how it's going to work, and what the best way to structure the content is? Do you have to think about that from the beginning, or do you just start writing and figure out how to put the pieces together after? What's the best way to do it? I prefer to think about it from the beginning. I like to start with the end in mind. So we do some big picture ideas, like what are your main goals from this content? I think that's something people don't think about enough. They're just like, oh, I need content. I need a blog. I need a podcast, whatever it is. But they don't think about what's my actual goal here. Is it just to be a thought leader? Is it to be seen as the expert in my space? Is it to get email leads? Because those are slightly different goals. And we structure the content slightly differently based on what your goal is. 
So once we know the goal, we kind of work backwards from that. And we can also work backwards from, you know, if there's cycle sales cycles in your business, natural or uh, created, we can work around that and make sure that the content is supporting the sales cycle you're in so that you get the most leads and the most sales at the time you need them, right? So if you work on some kind of launch model, we definitely want to make sure we're queuing the content up to support the launch. But even for professionals who have an evergreen service, there are natural ebbs and flows in your business. And we can work with those to structure the content so that people are primed and ready to buy when you need it. So you could even structure the content to help push new business when business is slow. Tell me a little bit about repurposing content, okay? Mm-hmm. Is it okay to repurpose content? Can you repurpose content everywhere? So for example, can your can an article that you write for your blog, for your website, can that go up on LinkedIn? Can it be part of an e-newsletter? I do a print newsletter too that goes out to my folks once a month. Can I put it in the print newsletter? When is it okay to repurpose? When is it not okay to repurpose? Totally. That's a great question. So I'm very, very into repurposing. Like, let's not recreate the wheel, right? If you've written a great article for your website, let's be sure we get all the juice out of that that we possibly can. So I love doing things like um, cutting it up into pieces to use on social media, maybe making a video of part of it, definitely putting it in your email newsletter, whether it's um, you use the entire article or if you include a link to go back to the website. When it comes to syndicating it on other sites, there are a few things you have to keep in mind. First of all, Google does have uh, a part of its algorithm where they will ding you and your SEO if you share it on too many sites. Now, this was really implemented to stop people who were doing like content farms where they would write one article and put it on 50 websites. For you and I, we're not doing that, right? But if we're sharing it to LinkedIn or Medium or some other places like that, we want to be sure, A, that it goes on our site first because Google's going to look at that and say that's the original, right? That's the the canonical (laughs) in their terms, the original content. And then you're welcome to syndicate it to a couple of different places, LinkedIn, Medium, et cetera. Um, The other way you can get around that is if you change up to 25% of the original article, it's new content as far as Google's concerned. So you're not going to get hit with that algorithm SEO ding. Okay. So let's talk about focusing on where to write too. Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of people who who are excellent writers and they say to me all the time, why shouldn't I just write my one article a week and post it on Medium where it's going to have a wider audience rather than put it on my website that nobody knows about? What are your thoughts on posting it on LinkedIn or posting it on Medium and not on your website? What, what is your what is your counsel on that? How do you how do you advise people on that? Yeah. So, a your your person, your theoretical client, there is correct. Like there is going to be a wider audience on LinkedIn or Medium. However, um, a long time ago, Brian Clark of Copy Blogger coined this term that he called digital sharecropping. And it's like building your business on somebody else's land. Mm -hmm. So when we have our entire platform living on LinkedIn, Facebook, Medium, any of these, we run the risk that at some point they're going to change their business model or change the platform. And we got no say in that, right? So this has happened to companies a lot on Facebook where they'll build a great Facebook page, getting tons of organic traffic, and then the algorithm changes and their business tanks, right? Because they've built their entire platform on somebody else's land. So that's kind of why I always encourage people, if you're going to syndicate to other sites, put it on your site as well, because that's your land. That's your platform that will always be there. You're going to get good SEO from that. That's going to send people, send traffic your way when they're searching for you. 
And if you want to then put it on Medium or LinkedIn as well, it's the same content. It's no skin off your nose. It just takes three minutes to copy and paste, right? But that way you're not running the risk that at some point Medium will change their model, LinkedIn will change their model, and you lose whatever ground you gained. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I'm one of these people who I had written a blog post every day when I when my original website went up in 2008. And that was back in the times when that actually generated traffic. Right. Then all of a sudden, I screwed up. I, I, I guess I was keyword stuffing. My website fell off the face of the earth. But guess what? I had Google Plus, right? The greatest thing in the world. So I started writing on Google Plus and I got that same boost. And guess what happened? Google Plus went away. It's gone. (laughs) (laughs) So, folks, learn from Dave. Do not (laughs) do that alone. You need to put your content on your own website as well. All right, let's talk about writing now. I love, I I studied writing in school. I love good writing. One of my professors, one of my favorite professors used to say all the time, the way you write is the way you think. So when people read your writing, they get a window into how you think. And in a business like mine, in a business like most of our listeners and viewers here on YouTube, people want to know how you think because they want to do business with you based on your philosophy and based on what you can do for them. Talk to me about how you structure web content. Does it differ from how you structure print content? And give me a real writer's view on the way content should be written. Yeah, to start with print versus digital. We read differently in different formats, right? So we're much more likely to commit to something on paper. If it's a long form newsletter, you said you you have a print newsletter, we're much more likely to sit there with a cup of coffee and commit to reading a couple of pages of something, even in this day and age. On the web, our our attention is is very fast diverted to something else, right? So we have to make sure that our web writing is a scannable. So we want to make sure we have headlines, headings, um, numbered lists, bulleted lists, et cetera, so that people can kind of scan through and see what they want to get out of it. The other thing is it has to be highly engaging. You really have to nab people from the beginning and prove that you're going to be worth their time. So quality writing is probably even more important on the web than in print. You can, I feel like you can probably get a li- get away with a little bit more in print than you can on the web. But other than that, they tend to be fairly similar in terms of content. It's just a little bit different about how you structure it and how you make sure that uh, web readers are comfortable reading on the screen. Um, in terms of what makes good writing, I think that's so subjective, but it also depends a lot on your brand and your brand voice. So our team is like highly, highly tuned into brand voice. That's one of the things that I feel sets us apart from some other content firms. And we want, if we were to work with you, we would want nobody to ever know you had outsourced because we want to make our writing sound as much like your brand voice as possible. And I find that's extremely important because, you know, one of my favorite sales professionals says, all things being equal, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And all things being unequal, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. So the more your personality comes through, even in a very corporate brand, if we can feel like we know you and trust you through your writing, then that makes it that much easier for the person to decide to do business with you. So in terms of good writing, like I'm not as concerned with grammar. I'm not even as concerned with structure if the personality and the actual meat of the content is really good. So I've had several clients that you would never, ever say that their writing was like grammatically correct or literary, you know, in those ways. 
but it's very engaging, right? It's very conversational. It very, it draws people in. So when I am emulating their style, I really want to make sure I get that because it feels like you're having a conversation with them and that's what's worked for them in the past. And that's, what's going to continue to work for them to build up that no like, and trust factor. Wonderful. Folks, today we're speaking with Lacey Boggs. I want you to go to LaceyBoggs.com, L-A-C-Y-B-O-G-G-S.com. And I want you to check out the great writing on our website. And I also want you to look at how fun and how engaging her website is. This is not your typical website. It's one that you could literally spend 45 minutes or an hour on and not be bored because it just pulls you in. And that's what good copy really does. So Lacey, talk to me now and talk to our viewers here on YouTube about how the writing is not school writing. It's not academic writing. And it's not, for our friends out there who are lawyers, you're not writing for the court. Explain to people the difference between first-person writing and uh, you know, writing for academics and why the writing that you do for our purposes, for marketing purposes, needs to be a specific way and which way you prefer. Sure. So that's absolutely true. You don't want to be writing uh, a brief for the court. You're not writing a technical manual. You're not writing a scientific paper. Uh, we we had a lot of the personality beaten out of our writing in school, a lot of us, because we were told to write our five paragraph essays in a particular manner. Um, really you will do exceptionally well to put more personality into your writing. Again, even as a professional, even as a lawyer or a doctor, we want to get to know you and we want to feel your personality. So taking some of the like very corporate or very stylistic language out, take the jargon out. Your readers are not lawyers. They're not architects. They're not doctors. They are consumers coming to you. So they don't understand. And if you're speaking way above their level, they may get intimidated and not want to call you. So we want to act like we're having a conversation with somebody at a cocktail party. (laughs) Whatever the question is that your content is answering, answer it in a way that you would if you were standing talking to me or, or, you know, talking to Dave, because we don't know your business the way you know your business, but we need you to explain it to us as an outsider. And that's how we're going to learn to trust you and learn that you're approachable and we'll like you more. (laughs) And that's how we do business with people. So like marketing language is very different than, yeah, like you said, all the, all the language we were taught in school, especially if you're in a professional field, um, because that's for a specific purpose, right? I I had a client once that she used to be a lawyer and then she had given up her practice and started a surf school. She taught women how to surf. Super cool. Except her website read like it was a lawyer's website. Like, and I'm like, there's so much language and slang and awesome terminology around surfing. Why is none of that on your page? Like, why are we not telling people to hang 10 and, you know, do all these things? So we tried to lighten her up a little bit so that it was a little more fun and reached her ideal customer a little more. I love it. That's a great, uh, great example. Now talk to me about emotional engagement. How do you, what vehicles do you use as a writer? What vehicles should our viewers use as a, as a writer to draw people in? How do we get people to really connect with us through the content, through the copy that we're writing? Right. Um, Storytelling. Storytelling is the best way to do this. And I don't mean like once upon a time there was a lawyer who did X, Y, Z. But when you can give an example or an anecdote, a story, people are going to be much more engaged. And it's it's a fun little copywriting trick. If you can give a story of a time that you failed 
or got a little bit embarrassed. Like we're not talking that's going to ruin your reputation or anything like that, but you can, if you can show yourself as being human, you're going to connect with the other person a whole lot more. So if you can show a certain level of vulnerability or if, if that's not your game, that's okay too. You can show like how your clients went from point A to point B, but those sorts of stories really evoke our imagination and it helps us understand and put ourselves in this person's shoes. That's why they work so well for like weight loss commercials. We want to be the after image, right? We don't want to be the before person. We want to be the after person and it will work in almost, I think probably any field to show the before and the after, whether that's a lawyer or an architect or anything. What was the problem they had before and how did you solve it? Whenever, whenever I coach somebody uh, on speaking, for example, we do, I do a lot with people who want to get into speaking as a way to generate leads. Whenever I coach someone on speaking, I tell them that we have to open up with a story that connects them to the audience. And nine times out of 10, the best way to do that is to tell a story that demonstrates some sort of vulnerability. And we usually craft their origin story around that level of vulnerability. And it's particularly powerful when that level of, level of vulnerability has brought them to where they are now. So my origin story is that I was working for a big consulting company and one of my clients called me and demanded that I come over and deliver results of a year-long study in the moment. I ran outside, ran out of the building with the folder under my arm, completely unprepared, had my mind going 100 miles an hour, walked into the crosswalk in New York City and was struck by a taxi. And I was paralyzed from my armpits down. That story is what I open up with. It demonstrates a huge amount of vulnerability, but it brings home and it ties together the entire thread of learning to grow a business. Having control of your clients is what frees you up from the from the, the shackles that bind you to one particular client or being beholden to making bad decisions for your business and in your personal life. That, that demonstration of vulnerability, um, I was a grown man and I couldn't cross the street without getting hit by a cab. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's nothing more vulnerable than that, okay? But that story is, can, it connects me and it's compelling and you need to have that in your copy. Now look, you can't get hit by a cab in every article that you write, but you can talk about a mistake you made and how that led you to discovering the right decision in this particular area. Now, the one caveat, and see if you agree with me on this, Lacey, the one caveat I give to people all the time, because I get huge pushback from <laughs> egomaniacal sure. uh, professionals all the time about demonstrating vulnerability. The one caveat is, if you're a lawyer, you don't want to talk about a mistake you made at trial. If you're a doctor, you don't want to talk about that piece of equipment you left in a patient, right? <laughs> That's not the kind of vulnerability we're talking about. Lacey, do me a favor. Give me an example uh, from, from your experience of like a, a, a small way to demonstrate vulnerability so we can really bring that home to people. Sure, sure. Uh, so one of my clients at one point was a, a facial plastic surgeon. And as you say, you don't want to talk about like, oh, I made a mistake in somebody's facelift, right? That's not going to endear you uh, to your potential clients. However, he was an avid golfer, but he wasn't that great at it. So um, he talked about in one article we did, he gave me a story about how he was improving his golf swing little by little. And he had to be like have humility about it, right? Because he had to go like, go to a clinic and they told him everything he was doing was wrong and all this stuff. And then we tied it back in like, you know, maybe everything you're doing with your skincare routine is wrong and that's okay. Like we can help you reset and get back to whatever. So I don't remember exactly the connection we made there, but <laughs> 
he, we used his golf game and the fact that he wasn't a super golfer to show how he had made some personal growth and then tied that back into what he was telling his clients to do. Great. Now that's a, that's a terrific example. I, I, I like it. Demonstrating vulnerability is something that makes us appear to be more human and it's it's what binds us together we're all vulnerable in a number of different areas when you expose a little bit of that to other people you make an emotional connection with them folks if you're just joining us here on youtube my name is dave lorenzo and this is the do this sell more show we're talking with lacy boggs who owns a content strategy and development agency she can help you with your content for your website for any marketing collateral that you're going to create or even with ghostwriting for longer projects those of you who are new to the do this sell more show and you're watching on youtube please hit that subscribe button ring the little bell so that you get notified when we do great interviews like this and we're going to start doing more and more of them live as our subscriber base grows so you're going to want to hit those notifications lacy I want you to tell the folks who are watching us on YouTube, listening on the podcast, I want you to tell them about the differences between a really good ghostwriter and somebody who is working their way through whatever to being an actor who ghostwrites. Because I've seen both and I've seen people who think they're good ghostwriters write books for people and the book is in a totally different voice than the person who's the actual author of the book. So talk to me about what makes a good ghostwriter and how you select a ghostwriter. Right. So the first thing I'll say is that working with a writer is an extremely personal relationship because we're going to get in your head. <laughs> we're going to get in your personality. We're going to be asking you a lot of questions. So you have to make sure it's somebody you connect with just on a personal level. Can I work with this person? Do they feel like a good connection? The second thing is, for me at least, can they write in my voice? And you know, we always tell our clients that give us a month. The first couple of articles might require a little extra editing on your part, but that's because we're still learning. But after a month, we should be getting to the point where you have to edit very little in terms of voice and style because we should be learning and getting right into, into that, right? And and it's it's really a skill. I didn't understand this when I started that this was a skill that I had that other people didn't have. Uh, but it is absolutely a skill that has to be developed by the writer. Now, some writers actually, or copywriters, content writers, actually sell their services based on their voice. Like people will buy from them because they want to sound like that writer. That's a choice you can make. I personally would not make that because if you hire the writer to write, let's say a sales page or part of your website, whatever it is, that part of your website is always going to sound different than everything else you produce, right? So for me, it, it seems to make a lot better sense, a lot better financial sense. If you're going to hire a writer to work on a project, they should sound like the rest of your brand so that there's no disconnect because that's something that can send people away from your website and away from your brand really quickly is if they feel a disconnect, even if they can't put their finger on exactly what it is, it, it undermines a level of trust there. There's something going on. Even if they can't say what it is, it doesn't feel right and they'll they'll boogie. So uh, that seems to be a really important one to me. So, you know, look at several clips when you're looking to hire somebody, ask for clips. That's what we call it in the biz, but that's just several samples of their work and see if they can write in different styles. Do all of them sound exactly the same or is there a variation in how they can write? If they can write in various different styles, that's a good indicator to me. Like if I'm hiring a writer to work for us, that's a good indicator to me that they'll be able to work with different clients and, and hit those different style marks. 
Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Okay, folks, we've been talking with Lacey Boggs. I want you to go to her website, lacyboggs.com. Look at the website from an aesthetic point of view. It's an absolutely beautiful website, but even more powerful is the copy that's on the website. Read it and connect with her. She can help you with your content strategy, and also she can help you with writing the articles that you don't have time to write or that you just can't figure out a way to get to from a, from a mental place. I mean, a lot of people can't figure out what the next article should be about. So Lacey, we're going to wrap up here, but before we do, give me what you consider to be the, the best advice you've received from a uh, relationship development or content creation point of view. What's the best advice you've received over the years that you can share with our folks? Hmm, that's a good one. I think probably the best advice I can share is um, quality and consistency over quantity. Um, so you mentioned earlier that back in 2008, like writing all the time, every single day, putting out putting out new work was a way to get really good Google results. Well, Google's changed since then, right? Now they're looking for more in-depth results. And so from both an SEO, Google Bing standpoint and a human standpoint, I would say it's always better to focus on quality and consistency over quantity. So if you can only produce one great article in a month, great. Make it the best darn article you could possibly create and then do it every single month consistently. Don't miss. If you can do one every week or a couple every week, that's great too. But the point being, don't sacrifice your quality and don't like get burned out and take a three-week hiatus because you run out of topics. Be quality and consistency with content is the key because it's a long game, right? Blogging especially is a long game. You're building up these relationships over a long period of time. So we have to make sure that we're building it up in a way that people can trust. We're always going to be there. We're going to deliver what we say we're going to deliver. Wonderful advice. Perfect. I, I really appreciate it. Lacey, thank you so much. This was a great 25 minutes. And folks, if you don't go to school on this 25 minutes, you're absolutely out of your mind. Watch this episode again and take notes because Lacey has done put on for us a clinic today that will help you with your writing. It will help you with your content creation. And if you don't think you can do it, we now have given you a resource. Go to LaceyBoggs.com. Her website will be in the show notes on YouTube, on my website, and on all of the places where you get your podcast. Lacey, it's been an absolute honor having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. No, we will see all of you right back here again next Thursday for another edition of the Do This, Sell More show. I'm Dave Lorenzo, and until then, here's hoping you do this and sell more. Do this, sell more. My name is Dave Lorenzo, and my mission is to help you make a great living and live a great life. We'll see you right back here next Thursday. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Give us your feedback on each episode and get access to our free sales training course at dothissellmore.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Do This, Sell More.